reading today is in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 to 4. That is on page 1177 in the Church Bibles. Page 1177, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Thank you, Keir. Please keep that passage open in front of you. We're doing a series on Sunday mornings uh, looking at the Ten Commandments. And we've called this series God's Good Life because if we start to live more and more the way God plans for us to live, we will find that this is the good life. And so far we've looked at four commandments which have mainly been about our relationship to God. And now we're beginning to look at the other six commandments which are about our relationship to one another. And the first relationship in this fifth commandment is the relationship between children and parents. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Please just listen to this. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, before we start to look at that commandment, let me just remind us what the Ten Commandments are for. They are not telling us how we can get to heaven. They are not telling us, if you obey the Ten Commandments, you will go to heaven. If that was what the Ten Commandments were about, there'd be nobody in heaven apart from God. Let me read you the beginning of Exodus chapter 20, the beginning of the Ten Ten Commandments. God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is God saying, I've brought you out of slavery, I've brought you out of Egypt, I've saved you, and now I'm telling you how to live. God didn't give the Ten Commandments to, to the people of Israel when they were in slavery, in Egypt. He didn't say, here are the Ten Commandments, I'll give you a year to obey them, we'll come back after a year, we'll see how many out of ten you've got. If you've got eight out of ten, then I'll save you out of slavery. No, he brought them out of slavery in his grace, because he loved them. And then he gave them his Ten Commandments to show them how they ought to live as his people. And it's exactly the same with us. We cannot be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. We can only be saved by trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Hallelujah. But after that, we want to live for him. We want to love God. We want to love others. So that's the context in which we need to look at this command and all the commands. So today we're looking at this command, honour your father and your mother. And Paul picks this command up in Ephesians chapter 6, 
which is our passage for this morning. Now, this commandment to honour your father and mother is a very relevant commandment because all of us here have had parents. You may not have known your parents, but you had parents. And all of us here have been brought up by somebody, whether that was our parents or somebody else. This is a very relevant command. Every one of us here is affected by this in some way or another. Even if our parents have since died, we're still called to honour them. This is also a painful commandment for many people. Maybe you look back on a childhood that was very tough, very painful. Maybe you were abused as a child, physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally. So you look back with great pain on that. Maybe your parents died. So this is very painful. Maybe your parents divorced. And that's caused deep wounds inside you. So it's painful to think about this commandment and what it might mean. Or maybe as you um, think about this commandment, it's painful because you're married, but you have no children who might honour you. And it's the greatest pain of your life that you don't have any children. Or maybe you have children and they really have not honoured you and not respected you and that's the greatest pain. Can you see there are lots of reasons why we might be in pain. You might be single and maybe the greatest difficulty you have with being single is that you have no children. And it hurts. And we were thinking about Church Life Day last Sunday. This is just a reminder how we need one another. Because we all have pain in different ways and we need to support one another as a community of God's people. We need to know that there are people we can talk to, people we can go to, people we can ask for prayer from. Maybe one result of this sermon is that you'll go to talk to the prayer team afterwards or you'll go and talk to Sally Campbell or Paul Alcock and you'll say, I want somebody to talk to about some of these issues. This can be a painful subject. It's also a very, very important subject. The first encounter that any child has with authority is with their parents or with those who bring them up. And if that is a positive relationship then, where there is respect and honouring, then it will be easier for that child then to respect their teacher and the police and old people and foreigners and everyone. But if the honouring, the right relationship has not started in the home, then it will be very difficult for that to spread out to other parts of this child's, this adult's life. So this is a very important issue. And it's a very important issue too because often our image of God, the way we see God, is very shaped by our relationship with our parents. There are some people here probably who find it very hard to think of God as father. Because you associate the word father with someone who was violent or inconsistent 
or always demanding. So this is a very important issue that we're looking at this morning. Let's turn then to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's be asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Let's first of all, in our first point, look at verses 1 to 3, what children should do. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now, there are two things mentioned there. There is obeying and there is honoring. And they are two different things, it seems to me. Obeying is is doing everything you're told to do. And it seems to me that when a a child is very small, then all the decisions are being made by the child's parents and the child obeys. That seems to me an obvious thing when the child is very small. But wise parents, and this is Andrew Page talking from his huge experience of parenting, um, but I was a child, so I do know a little bit about this. Wise parents don't want the relationship to stay like that, where they're giving all the commands and the child is doing all the obeying. They want to teach the child to grow in wisdom so that the child can make more and more decisions himself or herself and so grow up into a responsible adult. It's part of what it means to bring a child up. So the command to honour remains through the whole of our lives. I think it remains even when our parents have died. My parents have both died, but I have a responsibility to honour them, to honour their memory. I think it's important. We're always called to honour our parents. The obedience thing will change as we get older. There are three reasons why it's important, this relationship the way in which we relate to our parents. Have a look at verse 1. The first reason is nature. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. Even atheists, people who don't believe in God, think that children should respect their parents. Think back to that conversation you overheard on the bus that was very easy to hear on the bus because there was a child shouting at its mother and calling her names. Everyone in the bus is thinking that's not right, aren't they? There's something wrong about that. It's against nature when that sort of thing happens. That's the first reason we should have this honouring relationship towards our parents. The second reason is the law. Look at verse 2. Paul quotes from the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That doesn't mean that those of us who honour our parents will live longer than everybody else. That's talking about the community. That's talking about the society. If a society is a society where parents are honoured in the right way, then that society will be stable and that society will last. That'll be a healthy society. We've already seen that the relationship of child to parent will have impact on lots of relationships in the whole of society. So nature tells us that this is important and right. The law tells us and the gospel tells us. Look at verse 1 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That doesn't mean obey your parents if they're Christians. My parents were not Christians. My parents became Christians. My, My mother became a Christian when she was Uh, 82, but for 
a long time after I became a Christian. My mother was not a Christian. My father wasn't a Christian. I would have quite liked this verse to mean obey your children, obey your parents if they are Christians. I don't think it means that. I think it means obey your parents because you're a Christian. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is that we'll want to obey and honour our parents. That's what children should do, to honour and to obey. But again, I make the distinction, they're two slightly different things, honouring and obeying. We're always called to honour. There will be times, especially as we're growing up and getting older, where the obedience thing becomes more relative. Let's look secondly at verse 4, very briefly, what parents should do. What parents should do. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, we're not going to talk about this for very long because I'm not um, an expert at parenting. And also because next week, John Risbridger is going to preach on this issue of godly parenting. And oddly enough, I was not asked to do next week's sermon. I'm doing this week's sermon because I was a child and am a child of my parents. But there are some things here that are very important because parents have a responsibility, surely, to make it easier for their children to honour them. And some parents sometimes, well, all parents sometimes, because all parents are sinners, all parents make mistakes, do things that make it hard for the child to honour them. So there are three things here, very briefly. The first thing in verse 4 is love. It's put negatively here. Fathers means fathers and mothers. There's no Greek word for parents. So fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. I think that really means love them. Don't make unreasonable demands. Don't expect perfection of your children. Love. Unconditional love. When I was going to university... Um, The week before I left for university, my father said he wanted a conversation with me, which I thought, wow, this is is a big thing. So we sat down, just him and me, and he cleared his throat and said, Andrew, your mother and I, and that was always the beginning of a really important paragraph, your mother and I want you to know something. You're going away to university now. Whatever you do in your life, Even if you kill someone, and I was sitting there thinking, what do they think of me? (laughs) Even even if you kill someone, we love you, you are our son, you can always come to us. Now at the time, I thought this was funny. I managed to keep a straight face and said thank you very much, but I just thought this was slightly weird, because one, as a child, expects parents to do and say things that are slightly weird. Afterwards, I thought, wow, that's actually very powerful. They love me unconditionally. There are many parents who either say or give the impression, here's the line, if you cross over this line, we we don't want to know you anymore. But they were saying, whatever happens, you are our son and we love you. Love. I think that was very powerful. I didn't put to the test whether they were telling the truth. But unconditional love, really important. Second thing that's there in verse 4 is discipline. Bring them up in the training. Training is a weak translation. The word is discipline. 
And every child needs discipline. Parents, if there are two of them, they need to decide together what that discipline is going to look like, but there needs to be discipline. A child who grows up without discipline will one day be an adult without self-discipline. And a person without self-discipline will never reach their God-given potential. So there needs to be love, there needs to be discipline, and the third thing, and there needs to be teaching. The instruction of the Lord. The first place in which children need to receive teaching about God from the Bible is not the great Sunday morning adventure in Above Bar Church. It's the great everyday adventure in the family, in the home. So that's what parents should do. Love, discipline, and teaching. But let's go on to the third point. The third point is what we should do. And here, I'm not going to talk about we as parents, I'm talking about us as children. Whether you are a teenager or whether you are 85, what we should do. Because as I said before, even if our parents have died, I think it's right that we honour them. Now, how can we honour our parents? How, what could that look like? I've got a number of suggestions, applications here. Some of them will be spectacularly irrelevant to you. Just ignore them, that's fine. But I believe that some of them will be relevant to you. Some of them are very, very relevant to me. So I want to ask that we are open to the Holy Spirit and seeing what is relevant to us. I've got quite a lot of them. Um, let's see how many I can remember. Firstly, thank God for your parents. For some of us here, that's very easy. You do it regularly, it's not a problem. For some of us, that's a... Quite a shocking thought. Because you find it very hard to thank God for your parents. I find it very hard to thank God for my mother for some years. She was the most difficult person I ever knew. And I suspect I was the most difficult person she ever knew. We were sort of a good team, really. And it was very significant when I got to the point of saying to God, I want to thank God for my parents. Not meaning everything was great, but there were always, there's always something you can thank God for. Maybe that's what God is calling you to. When did you last thank God for your parents? Second, number two, ask God to forgive you where you haven't had the right attitude to your parents. Um, I really, for a time, was almost hating my mother. And I needed to confess that to God and ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's something there in you that you need to do that too. Number three, forgive your parents that they're not perf- they weren't or they aren't perfect parents. Because of course they're not perfect parents, they're sinners. Forgive them. I don't mean actually go to them and forgive them. If I had gone to my mother and said... There are things that, about you that I find incredibly hard, but I forgive you. There would have been a, an earthquake across the south of England. It would not have been a good idea. But it was a very significant thing when God showed me that I was bitter in my heart towards my mother. And I asked him to forgive me, and then I spent time in prayer, and I said to the Lord, I want to forgive my parents. And my parents never knew that I prayed that prayer, but the relationship with my parents afterwards was different. 
Maybe that's something you need to do. Number four, think how you can honor your parents by obeying them. I'm thinking maybe if you're still in the sort of teenage bracket. I can see some uneasy looks already, but this is worth thinking about. It can make a very significant impact on a relationship with parents if we can find an area where we can obey them. I think as we become adults, it's not about them giving us orders and us doing everything slavishly, um, but I do think that we should look for opportunities. I'll give you one example from my life. I've made lots and lots of mistakes in my relationship with my parents. Um, Here is what happened to me when I was 19 and began to realize that I should get baptized as a believer. I'd been christened as a baby, but I began to look at the Bible and I began to see that's not in the Bible. I need to get baptized as a believer because I trust in Jesus. And I knew that although my parents were not Christians or not anything, really, um, they wouldn't be very happy about this. So I prayed about this and then I said to them, can I speak to you about something? Which kind of got their interest straight away. And we sat down, the three of us, and I said, look, um, you know that Um, I'm a Christian and that's very important to me and I've been reading the Bible and I think it's right that I get baptised and I realise this decision may kind of hurt you you may find that difficult and I don't want to hurt you so I've I've thought this is what I thought I would do if you uh, here's a little booklet about baptism if you'd read that that would be a help and then if you are against me getting baptised I will wait till I'm 21. I was 19, and in those days in England, you, were 20, you became an adult when you were 21. That was the bad old days when you became an adult at 21. And I said, I will wait. If you are against it, I will not get baptized until I'm 21. But when I am 21, I will definitely get baptized. And they were surprised, and they said, oh, we'll read the booklet. The next day, my father spoke to me and said, thank you for the booklet. Your mother and I, so that was the beginning of the paragraph again, uh, we're delighted that you want to get baptised and we'd like to come. I had actually not planned to invite them, so this was a bit of a shock when they said they want to come. Um, but they, I think one of the things that made them positive about it was that I had showed that I was willing to obey them. If they were against it, I was willing to wait till I was 21. That's just one example. There may be another example you can think of, an area where you can show that you are honoring your parents by obeying them in some area. That was number four. Number five, ask your parents for advice. This is a great thing to do for two reasons. One is the surprise element. It's great fun to see the the surprise on your parents' faces when you say, can I ask your advice about something? Um, Because parents are not used to that, at least my parents weren't. But it's great. I always made it clear, I'm not promising to do everything, to say what you advise me to do, to do what you advise me to do, but I'd like to know your advice. There was a time when I didn't want to ask my parents for advice because I thought, well, they're not Christians. But then I realized, well, they have been alive longer than I have. And they do have quite a lot of experience about things. So it was great for the surprise element, but it was also, it builds the relationship. 
because you're beginning to relate to your parents as friends, one friend asking another friend for advice. Great thing to do. One summer, I wasn't sure which of two evangelistic mission opportunities to grab hold of um, in my long summer holiday, and I couldn't see really which one to go for, and I asked my parents what they thought. And they were really amazed that I asked them, and actually I did end up doing what they advised me to do, and I think it was very good for our relationship. So ask your parents for advice. That was number five, wasn't it? Number six is spend time with your parents. Um, if you're a student, um, you, I mean, no, let's not talk about you, let's talk about me. That's a bad sentence. Um, when I was a student, I used to go home for holidays because there was, that was where the food and the, and the washing machine were. But I didn't want to spend time with my parents. I wanted to go out and see my friends and I was giving them the message, I don't really want to be with you. And that's wrong. Um, when, I got, when, when, when I went home for my first holiday from university, the main Sunday meal was at six o'clock in the evening. And I said to my mother, is it possible that the main meal could be at one o'clock because then I could go to church in the morning and the evening? Because I was very keen to grow. I wanted to take every opportunity I could to grow as a Christian. And my mother said, no, the, the main meal is at six o'clock. You decide whether you want to, want to have the meal with the family or go to church. So Andrew, full of self-righteousness, says, oh, I'll go to church. And I went to church thinking, this is suffering for the gospel. This was smug, written in four capital letters. And when I went back to university, the Lord showed me during the next term that this was not a good attitude to my parents. I got home for the next holiday. My mother said, the meal on Sunday is at six o'clock. Are you going to go to church or are you going to eat with the family? I said, I'd like to eat with the family, please. My mother said, oh, your stomach's more important to you than your God. But the Lord gave me great grace. I said, no, but I really want to spend time with the family. That was a lucky escape. And during that, those holidays, I had the meal, spent, uh, went to church in the morning and had the meal with the family in the evening. Then went back to university. The next holiday when I got home, the main meal was at one o'clock. And for the rest of my time at university, when I was away at university, the main meal was at six because that's when my mother preferred it. But when I was home, the main meal was at one. She never said to me, I'm changing this because of the way in which you act towards us and showed us that you want to spend time with us. But that was the reason. Show your parents that you want to spend time with them, that you actually like to spend time with them. Really important way of honouring parents. Then keep in touch with them. This applies to students, but it applies to older people as well. Keep in touch with them. And sometimes you only keep in touch with your parents by an email or by texting, and you only get in touch with them if you want something. Could you send that thing to me? It's a file in the second drawer down on the left of my desk, or it's on the top of my desk in the piling system. Could you find the file and send it to me? No, no, keep in touch, really, with your parents. 
It may be a phone call or something, or it may be an email. I tell you something that's even better than that, although mostly it'll be phone calls and emails, I understand that. But a great way is to send a postcard sometimes. And you can chat in the postcard about what you're up to, and then you can put at the end, I love you guys, or thank you for all that you've done for me through the years. I tell you, a card like that will not be read once and thrown in the bin. It'll be read 20 times, 30 times. Because you're showing your parents that you love them and that you honor them and you respect them. Was that number five or number six or number seven? That was number seven. That was number seven? Good. I'm, running, I'm, I'm in a mess here. Number eight is uh, we should care for our parents. That means especially as they get older and as they maybe are ill or they are frail, we should be showing care for our parents. Not just trying to forget that they're there. Number nine is what I call the ministry of silly presence. Um, Normally, we only give presents to people in Britain, normally, when we have to. That's birthday and Christmas. Uh, But what about giving your mother or your father a present at a non-Christmas birthday time? Um, I was talking years ago now to a 16-year-old girl in a bar church, and she came to see me because she said, I'm really having problems with my mother. I find my relationship with my mother is a real, real problem. Uh, her mother was in the church too. Actually, the reason why they were having problems with one another was because they were so similar. And we talked about how she might um, grow in the relationship to her mother. And I suggested to her the ministry of silly presence. Let me explain what I said. I said, is there something you could give your mother that doesn't cost a lot of money? If you give something that costs a lot of money, your mother may well say, What's it, why are you trying to bribe me? Or this is spent, you realize this has been bought with money that's mine anyway. So something small. And she smiled and said, well, she likes Mars bars. So I said, okay, well, buy, why not buy a Mars bar, wrap it up in pink paper, and put it on the counter in the kitchen and see what happens. So she did this, and her mother came home with shopping and stuff and put everything down and was putting stuff away and then noticed this pink Mars bar-shaped parcel, and said, what's this? And her daughter said, well, you could open it and find out. So she opened it, saw it was a Mars bar, laughed, because it's kind of a silly thing to have wrapped up in pink paper, and then said, why, why have you given me this? And her daughter said, well, I know I don't often show it, but maybe it's because I love you. Something like that can have a very significant effect on a relationship. It's a way of showing love, the ministry of silly presence. And number ten is pray. Some of us are doing it, but some of us don't. If your parents are alive, pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will do them good. My guess is wherever you are, however old or young you are, whether your parents are alive or not, 
whether you have children or not, my guess is when you think about your parents, there is something there, or the parents who br- the people who brought you up, there is something there that you can get hold of and put into practice. My guess is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's speaking to me. Because God says, honour your father and your mother. And if we will take steps to honour our father and and mother, or honour the memory of our father and mother, then we will experience God's joy. And we need to pray that we'll be the kind of church family where we support one another in these areas, which can sometimes be so painful for us. So what is God saying to you? And how are you going to respond? Let's pray. Let's just have a moment's silence in which we can make our own response to God. Let's bring our pain to God. But let's thank him for anything that he's said to us today and ask him to help us to respond in the right way. Let's pray in the silence. Our Father, we thank you for your work in our hearts. We thank you that many of us here knew or know our parents. We pray for those who are in pain because of this commandment, because of bad memories in the, about the past or difficult things we're experiencing in the present. Father, we bring all this, this stuff to you. We ask your forgiveness when we have reacted wrongly. And we ask you to give us your wisdom so that we may see how we can live in a way that honours our father and our mother. And we pray again that you would make us more and more the kind of community of your people where we support and help one another to live the good life that you have prepared for us. Father, we give ourselves to you and we, help, we ask your help to respond to what you have said to us this morning. And we ask it for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to sing one of those songs in which God is described as the Father. Let's remember that he is the perfect Father. He never changes. He is always consistent, always just, always loving, always fair. How deep the Father's love for us. Let's stand and worship.